So, um, for those of you who are new, my name is Craig. I am the, the lead pastor, preaching pastor here at Generations. We're really glad that you're uh, with us today. I do want to take just a moment and ask, how many of you are veterans? Raise your hands. We won't make you stand up. All right, let's give a hand to all of our veterans. Yeah, thank you so much for your service. We really do uh, appreciate you. I never know, depending on where it falls, whether I should do it the Sunday before or the Sunday after, but it was late this time, so we wanted to do it uh, at, the, at the end of it. Um, the other thing I just want to kind of say, just for the life of our church kind of a deal, um, we had an election this, uh, this last week. I don't know if you noticed that or not. And I just want to say to you, whether you're pleased with it or not pleased with it, at the end of the day, Jesus is Lord. Amen. And when all of the politicians that were elected or not elected have passed away, Jesus will still be Lord. Uh, and that's where we put our feet down uh, in, in all of that, that uh, he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so we need not fear in politicians. Thanks be to God. Amen. And, all right. So um, we have been in this series, Vital Connections, building uh, authentic community uh, together uh, and for a number of weeks, I think six weeks. Uh, and so this is the seventh week. And we're going to kind of wrap it up uh, today. Uh, and so I want to um, kind of take us back to our memory verse, uh, kind of the, trying to get you to memorize scripture through brute force. I just make you say it over and over and over again. And I'm not changing my pattern now. So uh, our memory verse is... There we go. Oops. Uh, a memory verse uh, is from John 13, 34, which is where we started this series. So let's say this together. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. John 13, 34. Uh, and that really uh, forms kind of the essence all that Jesus taught uh, about love uh, in it in, in his ministry, which is just everywhere. It's it's just the, what he was all about was was love. Uh, but here's here's what I know uh, about that um, is that uh, loving one another happens best in circles, not rows. Right? Amen? So if you're new, we talk about circles being a, a group of people that face each other in, their, in the first century they met in their homes. And rows are what you were in now. It is really hard to build a meaningful relationship with the back of somebody's head. Okay? It's just, it's just hard to do that. And so it happens most in, in circles. Um, and so uh, this is what I'm... I'm just going to give you the sermon right here. I'm going to give you the end. I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to give you the end because we've been doing this for six weeks and you all know what's coming anyway. My belief is you need to be in an intentional circle. Boy, it got quiet. <laughs> you need to be in an intentional circle of some sort or another. We are designed by God and built for circles. It's, it's just the way he put us together. And isolation is poison to your soul. Let me say that again. Isolation is poison to your soul in one way or another. It, it destroys us. It's, it's, the, the evil one gets a hold of us. You know, every, every predator animal uh, that, that, that hunts herds separates somebody, gets them isolated, gets an animal isolated from a herd, and that's when they get gotten. And, and so we live in a world and we live in a culture in America and especially in the Pacific Northwest that tends to value kind of, I'm my own person, I'm self-sufficient, I don't need anybody. We even kind of have this, we don't let people get too close to us, you know. Some of you would die if you moved to the South because they hug people they don't even know, you know. It's like, what's going on here? Do I need to call the police, you know? I mean, 
I lived there for a while. I learned, you know, and I'm not a big hugger, but boy, did I get hugged a lot, you know. And, and, and so we, we just need to break these barriers down. And that, I've been preaching about this for a number of weeks together, but I think it's important um, that you get this. Uh, so here it is with no more nuance, no more pull, pulling my punches. If you are not already in a small group, please, for the good of your soul, get in one. For the good of your soul, get in one. And in many ways, I don't care what it looks like. I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can do that. We got, we're talking about all kinds of new ways to create groups that, that you know, are different from some of the ones we've done before. I mean, we're talking about like fishing and hiking and cool stuff that guys get to do. Get to do you know? I mean, women can do that too, but I just find that guys really like, you know, they just draw close to Jesus when they do the Peter thing and they catch a fish, you know? So it's biblical, amen? Fishing is biblical. Yeah. Okay, just want to make sure we're on with all of that. So um, uh, get, get in a group, and we have a sign-up sheet. We'll start some new groups. There's some that are going to start up pretty soon, but there's, uh, we're looking for people. If you don't know what group to be in or anything, we have a sign-up sheet right outside the door. After the first of the year, we're going to kind of talk to you and call you, and, and we're going to put people in groups and, and figure out ways to get connected and stay connected because it's a spiritual issue. Because it's a spiritual issue. Uh, okay, so uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter 4, 8 through 11. Uh, you can uh, get it on your phone, or, or there's a Bible in front of you, uh, or we'll put this scripture up here. Let me just kind of this out where we're at with this at this point. So you'll remember uh, we, we preached out of Acts chapter 2, which was the very beginning of the church, right? Jesus had, had come through his death and resurrection and been with him. He had ascended back to the Father. He said, go into the city and wait for the Spirit, you know, and, and they waited. And the Spirit of God came and, uh, and was there. And then people got saved. The church was born. And you remember we talked about the things they did. They gave themselves to the apostles' teaching. But they also gave themselves to fellowship, which is a circle, and to breaking bread together, which is a circle, right? So of the four things, two of them uh, deliberately involve circles. So right off the bat, the church is talking about living in circles, about being connected to another, about small groups, whatever you want to call it, house church. That is the way it started out. So now read from Peter, who is the leader of the first century church, and this is decades later, right? So in any organization, over time, it tends to sort out what is really important. Some things you think are important at the beginning, you know, 20 years into your business, you figure out, well, that's not as important, but this was. And so I want to read these words to you from Peter, the leader of the first century church, decades after Pentecost. So it says this, verse 8, above all, Love each other deeply. Let me say that again. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. I'm going to cough, Scott. <coughs> Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received, whatever gift you have received, to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So I'll kind of give you the meta structure here. Here's the command, love one another, okay? And then here's how you implement it. Verse nine, hospitality and using your spiritual gifts to serve in the body of Christ. So let's break this down. Above all, love each other deeply. Above all is, is the, there is, this is the most important thing. Amen. Decades later, after Pentecost, after they've had time to sort it out, after they've had time to work on it, after Paul has written many of his letters and all of that stuff, Peter still comes back and says, the most important thing is love each other deeply. Amen. 
and I, I just can't emphasize this enough. And, and I to people every once in a while that will tell me, yeah, but, you know, and then they want to go on to something. I'm like, no, 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 there's no yeah, but. Say, yeah, but. Yeah, but. People like to say, yeah, but, which means they're going to disagree with you, right? You know, no, this is it. Above all, above all, more important than anything else, above all, love each other deeply because everything flows out of love. Even God's discipline flows out of love. Amen? Just like your discipline of your children flows out of love. If I didn't love my kids, I wouldn't discipline because it is a ton of work. Has anybody else noticed that? You know, I, I remember saying to my kids, making them do chores, right? It was like, it'd be easier to do it myself. And they're like, no, it wouldn't. You're just doing this because you want, you, you want to get out of it. I'm like, no, no, it'd be way easier to do it myself. I, I did, I made them do it because I love them. They grew up to be responsible of adults, right? That, that's, I invested in them. And the cool part about this stage is that now I get to watch them start saying some of the same things I said that they swore they would never say. It's called a parent's revenge. So anyway, sorry, off track. Above all, love each other deeply uh, in this. And so then the, uh, the next word I want us to look at is this deeply. So love each other deeply. And that word actually is the idea of fervently. Okay. How many of you used fervently in the last week? <laughs> it's just not a word we use very much. But it's this idea kind of, of without ceasing. It's like passionate and never gives up. So love each other deeply, passionately, fervently, without, without, without ceasing. And the reason for that is, is, of course, this. Love is the most important thing. I mean, it's just one of these obvious kind of sermons today. It's the essence of Jesus' teaching, okay? In fact, the interesting thing for me is Jesus says a number of times in Scripture that the Jewish leaders of their time had their theology right. Their theology wasn't wrong. The problem was it was driven by their theology rather than by love. And when you have good theology but no love, you get legalism and you get hardness and you get judgmentalism and all of those sorts of things. And they want to argue of the theology. Now, don't misunderstand. I spent a great deal of my time and treasure getting a good theological education, and I can argue about theology with the best of them. In fact, I will tell you that I enjoy arguing about theology with the best of them. Okay, so. But at the end of the day, it's about love. It's about love. You know, and, and, and so I, I just, it's so important. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13, you know, in, in modern circles, we like to talk about kind of a wedding passage, you know, about all the love, and we get all these romantic ideas about love. It's not about that. It's not about that at all. 1 Corinthians 13 is about our relationship to one another, about loving within the body uh, of Christ. And there, if you, you read through that, it gets to the end, and it basically says, if you don't have love, you're just a gonging symbol. Any of you ever had your kids, like, pound on something over and over and over again until you're like, wah! I know Kramer does because Dax loves to do that. <laughs> and, and that's what, it, it just, it's just an irritating, unhelpful sort of thing because love is what it's all about. It's the foundation of everything uh, we do uh, together. But there, there is a catch to this business of loving people that makes it hard. And that catch is this. To love people, you have to be in relationship with people. Okay? It is really easy to say, I love everybody if you're a hermit in a cave. Because it doesn't cost you anything to love those people, amen? You know? L love isn't lived out by just a, a philosophical idea. And again, I love philosophy, okay? I did a bunch of that in my undergraduate. But love is only meaningful when it is in relationship with other people. When, when we have to get to know them, appreciate them, 
things about them, and we have to deal with the less than good things about them. Amen? Because love is messy. It's difficult. But that's the essence of love. Love is when you love somebody even when you know all of their faults. Amen? I mean, that's what marriage is about. You, you learn each other all the things, and you, you love them. And that's what he was talking about that, through all of that. Do I need to switch mics? Should I? Is, am I cutting out? A little bit. Maybe I'll switch over to the hand mic here. All right. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Is there a commercial about that? Is, it, is this one on? There we go. Okay, so we're on in, in that part. So uh, we, we love people by when we're in relationship uh, with them. And, and just as a reminder, again, why love is so important and love is about people, not things. I mean, we say things like, I love breakfast, you know. You don't love breakfast, you know. I hope you don't love breakfast, okay? Yeah, I love breakfast, but I mean, I like breakfast a lot is what I mean. So um, at, at the end of the day, because the only thing we take with us to heaven is other people, amen? It's the only thing that's going with us, and that's why it's so important that we get, uh, that we get this uh, down. So, uh, let's jump back to verse 8 again here and talk about it. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And I, I, um, I need to talk about this a little bit because people get a little bit confused. You can look at that and think, well, that's somebody who's hiding somebody's sin, right? That's actually not what it's talking about. It's talking about someone who has confessed their sins and is now vulnerable to the community, right? When, when someone's sins get found out and they're vulnerable. And this talks about the idea is what love does is love protects. Love covers is kind of the word that they use there in order to protect the one so that they can give them mercy and grace in the midst of this. Maybe the best example of this has to do with the Christmas story. You remember when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant and he knew it wasn't him? Remember what he did? He determined in his heart to put her away quietly, right? He didn't want to submit her to any more humiliation, even though he had been betrayed through all that. He thought he'd been betrayed in that. He didn't, he didn't want to do that. And so he put her away quietly, right? That, that, that's covering the sin. I don't want to make this any worse for you. We do this in the relationship with our children. When, when your kids go wrong, right? You, you don't want to set them up for public humiliation. You want to cover it and restore them and bring them back. And that's actually what's being talked about. You're all looking at me like you've never had to cover your kids' sins in some sort of way, shape. Do you all have perfect children? Am I the only one that doesn't have perfect children in this room? You know, you know. I thought I was a perfect child, but my dad told me I wasn't. So, um, so uh, love covers a multitude of sins. So uh, love is the first and most fully formed in the family. And this is what I want to get at. We are a family church. We understand in our way of thinking, in our kind of Methodist way of thinking, love is the most important thing, which means that we are family with God, right? We are, we're, brought, and we're brothers and sisters in Christ and all of that. I like to make some of you uncomfortable when I call you brother or sister because it's like, oh, what's he saying kind of a thing. But, but we are. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so in God's design of things, the family is where children, where the next generation first experience love, and it is most fully formed in the family. This is why the family is so important to us, because you are laying the foundation for the next generation. And lest I forget to tell you this, let me just say to you, they are most fully formed not by what you say, but by how you live, right? And if there's a gap between what you say and how you live, they pick up on that really, really really fast. So it's so important that we live this out uh, in, in front of our, our children uh, every, every day. Uh, and, and then the, beyond the, the immediate family, then the, the next step out is the grandparents. Grandparents are super important to the life of children. 
if they're, if they're healthy, okay? Um, there's lots of research to show that. And as a grandparent myself, I'm like, yeah, man, they're really important in, in the life of the church. Uh, in fact, um, some of you know my son just... Uh, boy, they, they do not like us today, the sound system. Um, and so they were up for the weekend. They had to go back this morning. Uh, and it is so cool because my, my 18-month-old grandson, spent a ton of time with him. And I'm telling you, God's way is a really good way. Good and healthy family is wonderful. Amen? And it's just, it's what he intended uh, right from the beginning. So it's, it's formed in the family. And then the next step out is the church. We need to be a church that fully forms and loves the children of our church. Amen? Whenever you see them, whenever they're doing, you need to be positive. You need to say, if they get on the platform, they do something, they say, great job. Even if it wasn't a great job by your standards, because your standards are probably too high, right? You know, but, but we need to encourage them. We need to encourage and build up our teens, right? Okay, I'm just going to give you a little insight here. I have listened to adults who don't go to church anymore that were wounded by the words of people in their church when they were teenagers. Be very careful about any kind of negative feedback. In fact, don't give them negative feedback. Talk to me if you think we need to give them negative feedback. Give them positive feedback. Form them. Let them learn uh, about love. Be their, their protector and their encourager in that. That's the kind of church we want to be, amen? That's the kind of church we want to be, amen? There we go. Thank you uh, through all that. It's first and fully formed uh, in, in the family, and I experienced that as a kid. I grew up in a little bitty church, and there were lots of things wrong with that little bitty church, but the one thing they were really good at was loving the kids in their church. And out of that small youth group of about six, I think four of us ended up in the ministry at the power of, of beginning it in family. So, okay, did we lose that? We lost that. All right. So if you're following along, some days are just technology. Some of you Pray, right? Pray for the technology or something. I don't, I don't know. It's all right. It's all right. So if you're following along in the notes, the, the next thing here is uh, when we say we are a family church, we mean above all, love each other. Above all, love each other is what that, what that means. We say, oops, sorry, got ahead of you, Marilyn. Okay, above all, all uh, love each other. Say, above all, love each other. Yeah, that's what a family is. Above all, all the other stuff is less important. Love each other. Love each other no matter what in your family. Love each other in your extended family uh, no matter what. Now, let me put one caveat there. Sometimes there are unhealthy people in our families, and we do need boundaries, okay? So I'm not saying, that's why I, I always struggle a little bit when people say love is un, God's love is unconditional. That's not exactly right. Love, God's love is self-sacrificing, but there are times when you have to put boundaries if, if you have an unhealthy person in your family or a dangerous person in your family. You do need that. Everybody understand that? That's not what I'm talking about when I say, above all, love each other deeply. But, but that's the heart of it, is above all, love each other deeply. And that's the kind of church we want to be. Uh, we used to have up, and we will get back up here again as soon as we get this wall in, our, our kind of our, our slogan, we will tell the next generation... Say that together. We will tell the next generation. That's the heart of what we are about. So um, to be in a family or family church where love is the most important thing is an amazing way to live. And I just, I just want to tell you that. I mean, so much uh, of what we talk about sometimes is the negative thing. If you do this, da, 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 that, that, that's right. There are consequences to sin. There are consequences to poor choices. But I'm telling you, 
When you live the way God wants you to live, it's amazing. It's a wonderful thing. God can bless you in all kinds of ways. Wow, is that a thing in our church? Are we struggling with that? That God loves you and God's for you and God has a plan for you and for your family and he stands behind you and he wants to work with you and he wants to give you life. That doesn't mean that there aren't hard and difficult things, amen? But God has an amazing way of living in the world and it begins with family. It begins with our connection to one another and and our love of one another within within the life uh, of of the church, okay? Uh, Anything that involves relationship is always going to be messy, but Christ is is in the the midst of it. In fact, I heard a report this morning, just literally, uh, the service had already started. Someone in our church had asked me to pray for someone in their family, and they said, you're not going to believe what happened. And I'm like, yeah, I probably will. (laughs) I've been doing this a long time. And just a marriage thing that God had just turned around in an amazing kind of way. Why? Because God is for us. God wants that for us. God wants strong families and and strong uh, churches together. So, uh, verse 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So, now we're into the how do we do this. So, hospitality. Say the word hospitality. What do you think of when you think of hospitality? Food. Food. It's a good start. What? What? Gathering. You guys, I'm deafer than you think I am, okay? Speak loudly. (laughs) Service. What? Welcoming, yeah. Yeah, I think of all of those things, and I think of kind of the hospitality industry that kind of does that that sort of thing uh, professionally uh, in that. Uh, But but actually... um, this, the Greek word that gets translated hospitality is what's called a compound word. And they literally just pushed two words together for this. And the two words they pushed together are friend and stranger. Isn't that cool? I did not know this before. I was like, when I looked that up, I was like, oh, that's amazing. And so basically the word hospitality means take a stranger and make them your friend. Right? To reach out to people who are different. In fact, for Jews, there was law on hospitality. They had to do this. They had to extend to the, the stranger uh, a meal and actually to put them up overnight. That would be kind of scary. Uh, but but that, that's what's a, what, what is a part of it, is that we are uh, to, uh, to um, offer hospitality uh, to the people uh, around us. And so um, here's what I think. Hospitality is a fancy word to say circles. You know? It's just a fancy word to say circles. Take a stranger, make him a friend. You will not make a stranger a friend sitting in a row. Again, the back of someone's head, you just can't do that. But if you, if you have them into your home, if you practice hospitality, if you take them out to lunch or all of those sorts of things, you sit around and talk with one another, you can take a stranger and you can make them a friend. And so right there, smack dab in the middle of Scripture is the word circles. We just translate it hospitality. Take a stranger and, and make a friend out of them. So uh, the next one is uh, offer hospitality to one another without... Say that word. Yeah. The word, that, the way it normally gets translated, used to get translated a lot, is the word murmur. Say murmur. Yeah, like gotta get, gotta, gotta get, you got to say it right. Murmur. It's just one of those words that's really fun to say, you know, because the way it sounds kind of captures what it's about, right? And I know that never happens in our church. We never murmur. But but it kind of has that that idea. Um, And the word actually means a secret debate or secret displeasure that isn't openly known. So it's the kind of the grumbling behind 
scene sort of thing, right? Okay, I'm going to do it and take this stranger and help them. But I'm telling you, it's a lot of work, and I don't know whether I'm going to, you know. And that's to your friend. You don't say that out in the open kind of a thing. And, and the, the, the reason I think he talked about this, because you know the way you, st- you solve this grumbling thing? Is you love the person. When you truly fall in love with a person, when you love them like Jesus loved them, it's much easier to serve them. It's much easier to bring them into that. Love is the essence that drives the motivation for, for all of that. We don't have to just do the minimum. We want to be engaged. We want to encourage them. We need this going on in our church because we want to reach people for Jesus. Amen? And so when they, they come in the doors of our church, man, we should welcome them and love them. We should go from friend, from stranger to friend and, and bring them into the life of our congregation. Most people don't stay at a church because the music is great or the preacher is great. Most people stay at the church because they get connected. Because somebody reaches out and loves on them and likes them and talks to them and all of that. And here's the thing. Here's, here's my hospitality thing for our whole church. I don't know. If, we do have some visitors here, so you can plug your ears right now, but what I want you all to do. Number, a couple of things. Number one, if someone is out in the foyer and they're, they're looking at walls and no one's talking to them, you go talk to them, right? Because that's killer. When someone comes in, they don't even know where the worship center is, right? And no one's talking. So talk to them. Number two, here's the big one. Okay, all ready to take a step of faith? <laughs> wow, that was quiet. <laughs> they're like, tell us what it is first, okay? <laughs> Invite them to sit with you. You know how powerful it is when a stranger invites you to sit with them in a worship service? It's just incredible. It's just amazing how powerful that is. So let's be a hospitality-driven church with no grumbling in, uh, amongst us, okay? So uh, verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in, his ver- in its various uh, forms. Uh, and so um, the interesting sort of thing is the word gift, the root word for gift is grace. So it's a gracious gift. You have, you have received a gracious gift from God for serving others, a, a gift that is given to you out of God's grace and that is filled with grace and that extends grace to others. And every one of you have a gift. Okay, look at the person next to you and say, you have a grace gift. Yeah, you may not know what it is yet, but you have it. And God has given it to you. That's what, what, what the scripture says, uh, is that you have a grace gift. And then the, the next word in this thing, uh, oops, come on, uh, is uh, to serve others. And so the paradigm here is the idea of being a servant. In fact, that word comes from the word that they would use for like a household slave that would be in charge of a rich person's house, right? And they served it. They didn't own it, but, but they served them uh, through all of this. So you have received grace, and now you are to give it to others as a gift from God. It is a privilege to serve in Jesus' name. Okay? We often talk about responsibility, certainly responsibility, but it is a privilege to serve in Jesus' name. So uh, then he talks about uh, being faithful, faithful stewards, which is a sacred trust. Right? God has given you this gift. You're not going to have it all of your life. At the end, you check it back in. But for now, it is your way of contributing uh, to the kingdom of God. It is your grace gift uh, for what Christ wants you to do. So, in Jesus' church, we serve each other according to our grace gifts. Now, that's both good news and bad news. The bad news is you're expected to serve. The good news is you don't have to do it all. 
You don't have to do it all. There are gifts you don't have. Trust me, there are some gifts you really don't have. Okay? But you have a gift, and we're to use it for the kingdom of God. Whatever it is, however it looks, whatever you engage with, that's the important thing is that we use it for God. And then God has wired us to need each other. This is what I've said over and over again. The very first sermon you remember was herd animals. Some of you took a little offense at that. I can tell you were like, no, I'm not a herd animal, you know? Because we live in a culture where we value predators. But the truth of the matter is we can't make it without each other. God has designed us to be in connection uh, to one another in all that we do. We are family. That's our word. Say family. Some of you who are new, you hear that going around here. And family is basically friends who are like family, right? We may not be related biologically. We may not DNA all of that. But we are related by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are family. And we're going to spend eternity together, okay? Yeah, that's, that's good news for all of us. We are going to spend eternity together. So we are called to love one another. Let me read a passage from Ecclesiastes that I just love that catches this. You may even want to just close your eyes and let these images go. Two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. So here's what I believe. God has designed us for sideways grace. Some of you remember the term sideways grace. God gives us grace. We often don't think about the grace we give others. But when I think about it, I think of like God pouring grace on me and then I channel it to the world around me, right? And it goes through the unique vessel that is me with my gifts and my flaws and all of that. But God does that in you as well. That we would be a church where God has poured grace into our lives and God has poured a lot of grace into our lives in this church, amen? Okay? And now we pour it out to the world around us, to the people we connect with one another. So here's the summation of the whole series. Love each other passionately, welcome each other with open arms, and serve each other graciously. Let's read this together. Love each other passionately, welcome each other with open arms, and serve each other graciously. Get in a circle. So the last question I always have on the end of the sermon is this. What is Jesus asking you to do with what you have heard today? And normally, I just leave that an open question, and we're going to about to go if, our, if the band could come. In fact, um, we just kind of go into a prayer time, and we're going to do that in just a minute. And I, and I need to tell you, I'm not one of those guys that gets a word from the Lord for people. You know, I think it's all I can do to keep up with my own stuff. He doesn't give me a word from the Lord. But this morning, he has given me a word from the Lord for you. And by I mean you, I mean every single one of you. And that is this, sign up today for a life group. Sign up today for a life group. I love those silences. You guys are so transparent. You're not good at hiding your emotions at all, man. It's terrible liars. You know, it's like silence or excitement. Right out here and to the left, there's a sign-up place where you can do that. He's not signing up for a specific one. We'll contact you and start some groups after the first of the year. But get in a group in one way or another. There's also a bunch of things out there that are groups that you can sign up for. Get in one of those. I, I don't care. I don't care how you do it but we have to do circles or rows aren't really going to matter. Amen?
so, so important that we do it that way. So we're going to uh, sing in, in just a minute here, and we're going to have an open time uh, of prayer. And I, if, if you would like someone to pray with you, uh, we'd invite you to I'll, I'll be down over here. And back there a lot, sorry, if you could be over here so that we have a man and a woman if you would prefer. Or if you'd like to just pray at the altar, I would invite you to do that. But we would love to pray with you uh, today. So let's uh, prepare our hearts. Let me pray as we begin. Lord, I know this is really, really important, and I know our culture separated, and I know that over the last few years of COVID, we've all gotten separated. And so, Father, I, I ask, I ask now publicly what I have asked in private many times, that you would bond our hearts together, Father. We say family, but I'm not always sure we really live that out. And so, Father, I pray that you would truly make us family that you'd get us into groups where it's a small enough group of people that we can really love on one another, that we can really care, that we can bear one another's burdens, that we can pray for one another, that we can help one another, Lord. Because that's really what your church is, is just a bunch of small groups loving on one another and loving you and being Jesus in the world, Father. So I ask now in Jesus' name that you would do that here at Generations Community. Prompt us, push us, get us where you would have us to be, Father. And we ask it all in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.